0: Before we get into the message, I just want to say, uh, thank you to all of you who, uh, joined us in prayer this week, uh, and, and actually served our family. Uh, many of you know that Lorraine went in for surgery, uh, this week. She had, um, a tumor on the side of her face. And, um, and so it, we decided to get it removed. There was a chance it could be benign or malignant. We're still waiting to hear the final, um, I guess, uh, lab results, but, um, she went in on Wednesday and they kind of opened up the side of her face, took out a one inch tumor and then uh, a lot of stitches on there. So she's been recovering, hasn't been quite feeling herself. Uh, but many of you guys, and I'm sorry if I'm missing some of you, but, um, the Tsushimas, the Kamadas, uh, the Winchies, the Twizons, uh, you guys dropped us off some meals. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm if I'm missing anyone, but you know who you are. And so we just want to say thank you. She's at home resting. Um, but again, the doctor said that uh, he believes the results will be favorable. And so uh, thank you for standing with us and praying and uh, for me and my family. Uh, we feel very well loved and we love you guys. And, and uh, thank you. Just shows what kind of church this is. Yeah, yeah. God bless. Good things. Um, and so uh, what I want to do this morning is I actually woke up at 4.30 this morning, and it was either God kind of waking me up, or it was just me uh, just kind of being moved to say, you know, I need to do this, or the bad pizza I ate last night. It's one of the three, probably the first two, but uh, I just decided in one way or the other, whether it was the Lord leading me or just me deciding, maybe it was both, to change the message. Um, and so I just kind of spent the past few hours putting some thoughts together because I felt that it was very important uh, that we have a word from the Lord here this morning, primarily from God's word, of course. And uh, I was originally going to start a series, a new series called Transformations uh, today. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, let's spend this Sunday talking about why, why we're going to go into this new series, Transformations. And we're going to have a time of ministry time at the end of this message. We're going to be doing three things. Uh, so for those of you online, if you don't have it already or you guys here, make sure you have it. Uh, three things we're going to be doing at the end of this message is we're going to be receiving communion. The second thing we're going to do is um, you should have a sheet of paper and a pen. Maybe it doesn't have to be a big sheet of paper, quarter sheet, pen. You're going to be writing some things down, a prayer to the Lord and bring it to the cross and then lastly, we're going to uh, offer you some prayer ministry here in uh, the front. And so uh, just to prepare you for, for that. In March of 2020, we began a series called The Church as Diaspora, where as a result of the coronavirus, we were looking around and saying, uh, this is a great disrupting and dispersing event in society. And so we spent about eight months in this series, The Church as Diaspora. And we're coming to a place right now in society, and really as a church, where uh, we need to move beyond disruption and dispersion. And now moving into the next phase of where the world is and really where the church should be, and that is uh, on the topic of transformations. Transformation is what lies beyond disruption and dispersion. And so we're going to be looking at a series um in the future, uh, starting next week, on how uh, society is being transformed and and the church's response to that. The world is transforming. Um, The coronavirus created a situation where it accelerated everything. It brought about uh, the adoption of disruptive innovation in our culture. It brought about, essentially, a reset. And if you look at the conversation that is happening in today's world, it is an acceleration of disruption. Whether you talk about the themes of the accelerated disruption and adoption of the blockchain, blockchain, or the, uh, the accelerated adoption and disruption of artificial intelligence, or robotics, or energy storage, or DNA sequencing, or space travel. In our culture, this is the conversation of accelerated disruption. And it has brought about a situation in our world uh, where if you think about it, the coronavirus uh, was a world event that we have never seen since uh, the days of Noah's Ark and the flooding of the world. It was in that event that the entire world came to a standstill with the flood and Noah's Ark, and the world kind of was reset. This has never happened before, where the entire world stopped. And there is a reset underway, as you guys know, um, in May of 2020, the World Economic Forum, uh, set forth a 50-point agenda for, to unite the world, and uh, the World Economic Forum is kind of a clothing mandatory burning man Uh, gathering for the world's global elite this 50 point uh agenda is called the great reset for the world and so the world is transforming with the acceleration towards disruption leading to a reset and the church is in a place where we have to ask ourselves how are we being transformed how are we being set apart for god apart from the world's transformation To be transformed by God in this. And that's what this next series is going to be about. In um, the coming months, we're going to be looking at the topic of the transformation of money. The transformation of the family. The transformation of how we view spirituality. The transformation of of a green earth. The transformation of what it means to be human. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 that... We can be experts at interpreting, uh, the sky, interpreting the cultural sky, but, uh, we don't know how to interpret the sign of the times. And we want to be a church that isn't just concerned about, you know, our own personal, uh, walk with the Lord, although that's key, but we also want to be good interpreters of today's cultural sky. And what is the sign of times? We want to be like the men of Issachar in the book of 1 Chronicles, who, um, it says they understood uh, they, they knew what was happening in the world and they, under, they understood the times and understood what Israel should do. And so we want to be like the men of car. We want to be the type of people that Jesus desires for his church. The world, the transformation of the world, wants you to conform to it. God wants you to be transformed and he uses the church and the world to discover the will of God, the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is going to be our theme verse for this upcoming series the of transformations. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you know it well. Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be transformed to this world, conform. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says to the Roman churches that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. This is our act of service as holy and acceptable to God. He, Paul says that the world wants to conform you, not just to its fashion or what it cares about, but it wants to take you like a piece of putty dough. It wants to put you in its jello mold and conform you uh, to its own image. And Paul says, no, we are to be set apart, give ourselves to God. We are to be transformed by the truth, by the renewing of your mind. It all starts in the mind so that we may discover God's perfect, acceptable, um, and good will. When Paul said this to the Roman church, uh, they would have immediately identified with this idea of being presenting your bodies, with the idea of uh, being a living sacrifice, this, with this idea of spiritual worship. In Rome, uh, generals who... Uh, had won a great b- battle would be presented to the empire as this conquering general. Think of the movie like Brave, uh, like, um, of Gladiator, right? They would, they would have understood the idea of being presented. They also would have understood the idea of being sacrificed. You think about the Rome Coliseum and people being tortured and, and, and sacrificed in that Coliseum. They would have understood the idea of spiritual worship. Uh, the Roman pantheon of gods uh, to be worshipped. The the idea of uh, there is uh, bowing down to Caesar as Lord, as your act of worship. So this, as Paul wrote this, to present yourselves as living sacrifice, as your spiritual act of worship, it would have meant something especially significant to the Romans. And at the end of this message, we're going to have that opportunity to have communion, to come to the cross to present um, our confession and to receive prayer ministry. That is our act of presenting ourselves, our act of worship, our spiritual act of sacrifice, our desire to seek out God's will. I want to say a few thoughts on um, on Romans chapter 12, um, verse 1 and 2 that have been on my heart. In verse 2, Paul says, do not be Conformed to this world see for the christian we are to be conformed to christ we're not to be conformed to the world being conformed to our christ in our character but been being released in our uniqueness of talents and giftings and the way god has designed you in a unique way do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by be conformed to the image of Christ, the character of Christ, but then to be released in a unique way according to God has, how has, how God has created you. Um, I've been thinking about the people in our church, conversations I've been having with people recently. Um, and a lot of us are struggling. Understandably so. I was talking with someone recently and they said, um, they just sent me a text and they said, I've been depressed. Recently, there's a lot of things that been going wrong in my life, and every time I interact with this person, uh, you can just sense, you know, there's a heaviness. I know of another person who um, is having great sense of dysfunction and anxiety at their work. They're interacting with people who have suicidal thoughts, people that they know. Um, I know several couples both inside and outside of our church who are having deep marriage difficulty a lot of difficulty in their marriage during this time wondering what this means for the future of their marriage I know uh, a person I was interacting this week and uh, you know I actually called them for some other reason to see if they could do something for the church that you know and so forth and uh, they came back and they said you know I'm just really Going through a difficult time, I could sense that they were heavy, and they said, "There's all these things that are going wrong in my life," and they just listed out about five different categories. And what began as a phone call to talk about ministry turned out to be a phone call where we're ministering to this person. And so, as I was listening to them, I think, "What am I going to say?" You know, uh, and and sometimes it's true, right? When you're listening to someone going through a difficult time, you almost feel like. If you, you try and say something encouraging, it can almost sound empty at the time, you know. Um, and you don't want to just say platitudes, right? Or you don't want to come across as dismissive or, or you know, just hang in there, you know. And I was always thinking about this. I was thinking, what would the world say to this person in this moment? And then what should I say as a Christian, as a pastor in this moment? And I, I, I started sharing. I said, you know... Um, I've listened to what you said, and this is my, this is what I would say to you. There's what the world would say to you, and I think what the church would say to you. And I said to him, here's what the world will say to you, based upon what you said, all the struggles that you're going through. I think the world would just say to you, hang in there, you know, think the best. I can relate to your pain. I feel your pain. Um, things will get better. And, um, and make it happen. I was on so I was checking my one of my social media feeds this morning and you know these things just come up right and I, it, there's this um post that said says uh do you want to feel more satisfied with your life? Here are five books to read if you want to transform your life and here's the titles of the five books that the social media feed said that the world would say how to transform your life. Book number one, these are just the titles, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Title number two, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living Your Life. Title number three, How Will You Measure Your Life? Title number four, Finding Your Element. And I I guess another one, uh, Emotional Intelligence, What You Can Do. This is what the world's advice is to transform your life. Uh, understand yourself, understand what you're good at, what you're not. Don't do the bad things that weak people do, and um, just try and do better. And then I said to this person, this is what I think the church would say to you, and I'm going to share with you what Christ- most Christians would say to you in counsel, and then I'm going to say one last thing. I said, I think what the Lord would want you to know and what the church should say to you at this point is to say, um place your hope in the Lord. This is not your home. Heaven and the glory of heaven awaits for you. I think that's the right thing to say. I said to this person, uh, you need to persevere because good things will come out of this. God will shape your character through perseverance. The right thing to say. I said to this person, uh, maybe there's an area where... Uh, of, of sin in your own life that you need to explore. Anytime someone is hurting, not the first thing out of my wo- mouth is not, hey, you need to repent of your sin, but that can be part of it. And to not say that as one thing of five things that you say to the person, I think does a disservice. And so I, I gave them these uh, pieces of advice, but then I said this last thing that I don't normally say, but I think was entirely appropriate. I said, you know, it's possible that what you're going through, all the trial, the testing, the temptation that you're going through, maybe God is using this experience to remind you, to teach you of the emptiness of the world. It's to remind you that all of us, whether we idolize it on one hand, or or temp- tempted by the world on the other hand, or just enjoy We're, we're all drawn into this. And I think we need to be reminded at times like this Sunday that God, one of the lessons that God wants to teach you is not all the good things that He has for you and to be motivated by that, but also to say, hey, you know what? I want you, I'm going to allow you to experience the emptiness of the world, the desperation of the world, the idols that the world puts before you that they cannot deliver life to you. I'm going to allow you to experience, because it's your choice, right? Um, to, to feel the uncleanness of the world. And, and, and that just drains us, right? We're in this place of despair, of lifelessness, of hopelessness. And sometimes we just want to come to God and say, God, help me. Hel- help me get out of this mess. Where are you, God? And I think that that's entirely legitimate. We do that. I do that. But I think there's this other part of it we often forget. That there is great power. There's great power to be reminded that the desperation and the struggle and the sense of lifelessness that we feel in this artificial situation called the coronavirus and all the, the disconnected relationships, all of the, um, the failings that we have participated uh, in ourselves when we're in our own private moments, that maybe God is trying to say to us, look, this is what conformity to the world looks like. Don't forget this feeling. It's really empty, and it's really good for you to remember that because sometimes the only way you can move towards presenting your body as a living sacrifice, as your spiritual act of worship, the only reason why you want to have your mind renewed by the truth and to not conform to the world and to find the will of God, the only way sometimes to move it to that place is when we see when we're at the place where we say, I don't think the world does it for me anymore. I need to find God. And that can be um, as much of a motivator, that negative motivator, as the positive things that God puts in front of us. There's two main ways that the world tries to conform you. The world tries to... to. uh bring, stop the movement of God in your life, and the world tries to bring chaotic movement into your life. It tries to stop the movement of God in your life, it tries to bring chaotic movement, the worldly movement, into your life. And I think, as I think about some of these conversations I had with some of these people this week that I just mentioned, that's a result of, of in some way, conforming to the world. The world, whether it was their own uh, embrace... Or the world just beating them down. It tries to stop the movement of God in your life. And we wonder why we're so desperate. We wonder why we're so struggling. It's because the world has you conformed to its image. Has you conformed by stopping you. And it's a very dangerous place because when you stop moving with the, Paul said in Galatians chapter 525, if we live by the Spirit, let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. And when you're not in that place of living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, that's where he talks about earlier on in the previous verses, the works of the flesh start to come out of you. Discord, envy, passions of the flesh, and so forth and so on. When you're moving with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit comes out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, etc. So one of the ways that the world tries to conform you to itself is to try to stop the movement of God in you um a second way that the world tries to conform you is to try to create chaotic movement in your life um you know what actually I left my phone over there Darcy can you bring me my phone Thank you it tries to create chaotic movement in your life and um, get you to move in any different direction by God's direction. There was a, a social media post that I saw this week, and it just got under my skin. You know, it's someone I know. This person's a professing Christian, and I've actually talked with this person about this particular issue for years and years and years and years, okay? Like a long time, years. And so I'm going to read to you a text exchange that I had with this person. Um And I normally don't react this way, like if it's a first or second time, but when you've had the same conversation with someone for like three dozen times, um, you get to a place where you gotta get a little riled up, right? And I think that's, Jesus would agree with that, I think. Um, and so they posted this thing, um, basically attacking, um, some leaders in our country. Okay. Now, let me caveat. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, uh, right, left, in the center. That's not really the conversation here. Uh, but they were, they were actually posting a, a few posts of people who were attacking some leaders in our country. And then I sent them this text this morning before I came here. I said, um, you, you know, your last social media post, and I just said it straight out, uh, is a disgrace to our Lord and in rebellion to the commands of the Bible. It is unbecoming of a follower of Jesus Christ in these volatile times. What I say here, I say out of concern before, um, for your mental state, as well as for your witness as a Christian, but I also say this out of commitment to God's truth. Regardless of your personal feelings towards this particular politician, I do not see your call to pray for this politician and the lead and and other leaders as is commanded in First Timothy chapter two. I also don't see your call to overcome evil with good, Romans chapter twelve. Uh, that includes not just evil by one side political party, but the other and the electorate as well. I do not see your call to Christians to be peacemakers, James 3. I do not see you calling us to submit to and honor the elected officials God has put in place, Romans chapter 12, verse Peter 2. There is no example in the New Testament of Jesus or the apostles vilifying the emperor or insisting others do the same. What I say to you, what I see is you following the course of this world and its hatred. What I see is a lack of discernment here on how an older Christian should set an example for younger Christians. And I urge you, as I have for many years, to repent of ungodly zealotry and embrace the way of God's kingdom. You know, they posted this on social media, so I sort of felt the freedom to share publicly as well, without identifying this person. And uh, I, I got a text from this person um, just before the service started. To their credit, they wrote this. Point taken. Out of concerns expressed, I deleted both this social media post and the, another one. Um, and then I said, right move. Thank you for being open to considering this view. It's a sign of righteousness and Christian maturity to be teachable by God's truth. Not my truth, but God's truth. They texted back, appreciate your concern encourage giving voice to spiritual concerns. Um, and then they wrote some other things like that. That's the importance of being renewed, having your mind renewed. It's so easy to conform to the world, just in that example. Are you, to join the hatred of the world without also calling the church to what we know is biblical. Praying for our leaders, submitting to our leaders, um, overcoming evil with good, being peacemakers. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with every politician on either side. But we don't want to be following the world. The church should be leading the world. The, the church should not be following the world. And so, that can create a chaotic movement in our lives. And that's how we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. I'm going to read to you very scriptures here. I just want you to use these scriptures to examine yourself, uh, as well as myself, Hello. Uh, it looks like an LAPD helicopter. Keeping law and order. Good. Good for them. All right. Let's read some. I'm going I want you to just close your eyes, or I want you to just listen to these scriptures. Let the word of God. Let Jesus. Let the apostles examine you. Let the word of God, that living and active word of God, discern your thoughts and motivations as well as mine. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How have we conformed to this world? Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says this. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches can choke the word of God in you. Making you live an unfruitful life. Cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choking the world, word, creating an unfruitful life. Matthew chapter sixteen, Jesus says again, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Are we trying to gain the world in danger of losing our soul? I'll gain the world first. I'll 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 figure out my soul second. John chapter fifteen verse. Uh, John chapter fifteen. Jesus says, "If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you." Can we look at areas of our life and see that the world hates us for our righteousness? If not, are we trying to get the world to love us? The world should hate you for your righteousness. Sign of spiritual immaturity is to be tossed to and fro by the world, by every wind of human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Do we feel like we've been tossed to and fro by all the advice we're getting from the Internet? The Apostle James said this in James 1, that the world tries to get you to conform to itself by, we become men of men and women of doubt. We become men and women who are double-minded. We become men and women who are unstable in all our ways. If that describes us, we are being conformed to the world. James said again in James chapter three, if we have jealousy, if we have selfish ambition, James says that that is a sign that we are earthly or worldly, unspiritual, And being influenced by the demonic realm. Do we have jealousy? Do we have selfish ambition? It's okay to be ambitious, but not selfishly ambitious. Uh, First John chapter two, the Apostle John said this: "The world and its desires are passing away." Is it any wonder that we're connected to the world? We feel like we're dying inside. Well, the world is passing away, John says. And it's desires along, and so we connect ourselves to that, we're gonna pass away too. First John chapter four, the apostle John said that false prophets, antichrists, will come into the world. Have we lost sight that what is influencing world, uh, the ideas that the world is putting into our minds of what to pursue, what to idolize, what to care about, what to give ourselves to, is being motivated by the demonic realm, false prophets and antichrists. You can open up your eyes if you're closing. Let the word of God examine you. And finally, for this morning, with all of that, as we present ourselves to God, as we say we do not want to be conformed to this world, as we renew our minds with God's truth, the outcome of that is what? We discover God's will. We discover what is good. We discover what is acceptable. We discover what is perfect. Verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The will of God becomes something that you want. When you come to the place when you don't want the desperation that the world offers you. You don't want to be beaten down by the world. You don't want the world to continue to steal your joy until you get to the place to where you don't want those things. Then you're not ready for the will of God until you get to that place. You're ready for the will of God when you recognize and you choose to believe that God's will is life-giving to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that not only the world's way takes life from you, but do you also believe that finding God's will, and maybe you don't even know where that will lead you, is life-giving? So you're not ready for the will of God until you believe that. You are ready for the will of God, to discern the will of God, as Paul says in Romans chapter 2 verse Uh, 12, verse 2. When you recognize, you are reminded, you remember, you believe in who God is. When we choose to believe that God is actually the creator, created the world, the universe, you, when we recognize that God is the one who sustains you. That God is the one who can wipe us out at any moment. That God is the one who is Savior. And that you need to be saved from yourself. You need to be saved from the world. You need to be saved from Satan. You need to be saved from from eternity, apart from God, until you get to that place. I'm not so sure that you're ready for the will of God. Do you recognize who God is? That he is creator, that he is savior, that he is Lord. Everything you own, everything you are, God has lordship over. Time and space, past, present, your future. It all belongs to him. We're just passing through space and time. We're just temporary custodians of what God has given to us. And have you submitted that to his lordship? You're ready for the will of God. Do you recognize, are you ready for God and God's will when you recognize he is judge? Yes, he is judge. He will judge. He's going to judge every single, you know, I interact with a lot of people as a pastor and it's frightening to me It's frightening when I interact with people who have lost the fear of God. It's not just unbelievers. It can be believers too. And I think, oh, how how terrifying this is. Yeah, your life looks good from the outside. But it's terrifying because God is judge. And he's going to judge you. He's going to judge us all. And that reckoning will come either in this world or the next for all of eternity you better be found on the right side of it you ready for god's will so you're ready for god's will when you can recognize him as creator as savior as lord and as judge i hope we're there i hope we're there today um lastly uh before we go into our ministry time discerning the will of god is good and perfect and acceptable will um i want to end with a positive Example of seeking out God's will. It's, um, it's just something that's happening in our church right now that I think we have, we have prayed for. Uh, it represents an enormous opportunity for our church going forward. Um, I'm going to invite Jen Chamberlain to come forward. She's going to share for, um, can we get a mic for her, uh, Garen? Um, and she's going to come share about, again, an opportunity that God has placed before, uh, her and really not just for her and her family, but for uh, us as a community to take the gospel forward as they discern God's will. And so Jen's going to come share. Some people are going to come pray
1: for her afterwards. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 14 says, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belong to such as these. In China, there's a rule that if you're 18 or younger, you cannot go to Sunday school, cannot go to church, and you're not allowed to proselytize to preach gospel to them. However, there's a member in our church who who is involved at the Chinese gospel radio station because the government cannot stop the radio waves. So she has a vision of having a ministry directly to the children in youth in China to preach the gospel to them and also maybe, um, empower the parents that you can teach your children at home. You can preach the gospel to them at home. So it is a possibility that, uh, me and my family may be able to be involved in this new vision that we can do to reach to millions of children and youth in China. So it's very exciting. And, um, it's, it's a, there's a small miracle happened that uh, there's a new leadership for the radio station for the Chinese division, and um, we've been trying to uh, set a meeting to meet this couple who are a godly, uh, wonderful couple, and we haven't had have time because they're very busy. They just started this job, and they just moved here from Texas. So uh, we're just waiting and waiting, and then last Tuesday, I just attend my regular Tuesday homeschool meetings. Um, with my kids. And then there's a new family show up to participate in our homeschool group. And it happens to be uh, the mother, the, the wife of the, the new leadership is just right there. So I will be seeing her every Tuesday. So it just, um, the, the member in our church who wants to set us up the meeting. She said, well, God cannot wait for us to set up this meeting. We're taking too long. So he's making it happen. So we can continue to pray to see What this will look like and how we could be involved and to see the bigger vision of God reaching China, reaching these youth for his kingdom.
2: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Jessica, myself and Matt, we are the newly formed World Missions Committee. And, uh, Pastor Chris asked us to kind of pray for Jen since this is definitely within the realm of world missions. And just as our church grows and as we come out of the pandemic, uh, we definitely want to be more globally minded. And that's why we have this group together, um, with a bunch of other missionaries that we're, um, partnering with. And we're just going to today just pray for Jen in this new ministry that she's, ministry opportunity that she's been blessed with. Lord, I just uh, am so blessed um, just by Jen and her presence and just the relationship that personally I've had with her and, and the Chamberlains. And Lord, we know that just through her testimony, you have you have brought her to a place where um, she has so much, so much to share, so much that um, you've done in her life. Um, and Lord, as you place this new opportunity in front of her, we pray for anointing upon her. We pray for um, your spirit to lead her in her decisions and her words. Um, and just with with this current pandemic and the situation that we're in right now, Lord, um, I know there's a lot of children and families in China who are looking to be transformed because this world has left them empty. And we pray that um, Jen and the other member of our church would just be that voice of, of truth, um, would be that voice of, of salvation. And Lord, that you'd be softening hearts in the families even several thousands of miles away. Lord, and we pray that um, uh, yeah, you would just use Jen and, and the Chamberlains, um, and then also the other uh, member of our church to to be that example of love, be that example of being eternally minded, Lord. That the, the things of this world are passing. Um, yeah, we know that um, the harvest is there, and would you just help Jen in this time, um, and and even this relationship with this other leader that she's going to be going uh, going to with on Tuesdays. Um, yeah, may, may you be a light of, of truth through Jen. We praise things. Dream. Amen. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you, um, Old Missions support team and, and Jen. It's a tremendous opportunity to reach what could be millions of children in China. We're going to close our time together with the following. Uh, we're going to do three things right now. Communion, we're going to have uh, give you an opportunity to write down a prayer to the Lord, and for those of you here, bring you to the cross. And thirdly, to receive prayer ministry if you should so choose. Um, we're going to receive communion first. And we're going to present ourselves as an act of worship. And want you to get your communion elements in hand, whether you're online or here. And like Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. It is your holy and acceptable duty towards God. And we do this through communion. As we receive now the bread and the juice signifying the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, we do this in remembrance of his work on the cross and his subsequent resurrection, representing for us forgiveness. Representing for us, cleansing. Do you have to be forgiven of something? Do you have to be cleansed of something this morning? I know I do. And representing him coming to new life for making this a reality. I want you to come to this time of communion and say, Lord, um, I remember my need, my desperate need for your crucifixion. I have died with you. It is now you that I live with. And I remember that now. You were the source of my life. And a return to that now through remembering this through your shed blood and broken body. When you're ready, you can go ahead and receive both elements.